they took the midnight train going anywhere. <laughs> I guess they're going to another loss. Uh, the Sharks losing overtime, three to two. We'll be talking about that and more after this. But first, if you want to be a part of the show and teal together with us and join the conversation, check us out across all the social media platforms, the YouTube chat, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit, Discord, and of course the shenanigans that goes on in the TikToks. Check that out and all of our web articles too over at tealtownusa.com. And if you want to hit us up and support the pod, check us out on Venmo as well at tealtownusa. I'm Eric Landy, and I'm joined by two awesome people, (laughs) Marky Mark and Dana May. How are you guys and gals doing this evening? I'm good. Dana, how are you doing? Good, good. Glad to be back. All right. Still one win for me. (laughs) There hasn't been a... Nice show. Yeah, there hasn't been a lot of wins to talk about with this team, so there haven't. No, <laughs> I think I think we're in the wrong year. <laughs> um, but uh, getting to back to tonight's action, the Sharks uh, end up losing it uh, in overtime, three to two. Kind of uh, wondering where the whistle was at uh, with the with the covering of the puck there, but. Uh, I digress. <laughs> we have to uh, kind of sift through this one and uh, find some things to talk about. Because uh, in that first period, they were kind of feeling each other out and not a lot was going on. And I thought, oh boy, here we go. This is another long one. Um, Dana, I mean, just what did we see in that first period? <laughs> Do you have not any- a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, I guess technically you were right. It was a long one because I went to OT. Um, just, yeah, just a whole lot of nothing. Um, you know, some some power plays. Nobody capitalized on them. Um, some some pushing, some shoving, some ripping people's contacts out. Um, which, by the way, I think is just a crime on another level. Because, like, <laughs> also, what did players with glasses do back in the day? Like, yeah no does anyone know because i rely on my contact lenses like to live like my glasses fall off my face so yeah and i don't i don't even know like back in the 70s like pre-helmet if you were allowed to have glasses i i I think you are you were but i i don't know i i don't know do you want smashed glass in your eyeball yeah that's probably something to consider yeah i was thinking about that too um, I know some of those classic basketball players had those wraparound glasses with a string on the <laughs> back, but I can't imagine a hockey player having that. Yeah, I, Mark, I mean, I go to you too. I mean, what what did we see in that first period? I mean, there was a couple of there were a couple of power plays, but it didn't really seem like the Sharks were really getting any momentum off of them. They weren't able really to set up. Um, I mean, you, you look at the first period, the shots on goal, they were 12-12, but that was like the most boring 12 shots i think i've ever seen i was actually gonna say i think the shot totals were a little bit deceiving because if you think about it, it was 24 shots between two teams and you'd take that on a normal day in any period 
but I feel like it was some back and forth with not a lot of excitement really between the teams. Um, it was pretty flat. Yeah, I felt like it was super probative type, um, you know, type of, of attempts, you know, where they would get a couple of blue line shots here or they'd get a shot off the rush there, but it wasn't it was disjointed. I mean, it just seemed like either team didn't really want to keep possession of the puck. Um, and, and again, didn't really want to go for second chances. And again, I thought it was just a ho-hum first period for the Sharks after, you know, after getting completely torn apart by Boston, you know, what was this team going to have? And quite frankly, I wasn't impressed with the with the bounce back. I mean, did, did either of you see any kind of fight from the team? I mean, it was nice to see Kevin LeBanc back in the lineup and Noah Gregor, you know, I guess relegated to <laughs> very little time on ice. But, um, I mean, besides that, did you guys see anything of note? <laughs> I noted that LeBanc had very few minutes in the first period. Um, I noticed that. I checked at the end because I was like, I barely feel like I saw him, even though I did notice him get a couple shots off. Um, But yeah, he had, I think, three and a half minutes in the first period. So I was like, okay, he's still in the doghouse and he's not getting minutes. But then it kind of picked up for him throughout the game. So he ended up, I think, around 15 minutes of ice time. Being that he was with um, on that second line, I expect him to get a bit more. But he worked his way in the lineup. Yeah. Yeah, and and again, it's good to see that um, you know Kevin get back into the into the lineup, and and that's a forward that you need to have playing all the time. And I don't know what kind of message sending David Quinn was trying to to put there, um, but again, I mean, yes, his his defensive acumen have waned and and ebbed with the ongoing course of the season but i don't think it's anything out of the out of the ordinary for a team that's you know ho-hum as it is already so why would you go and put another you know weapon on the bench it, it just didn't really make sense to me um and you know when kevin lebank and and him were saying that they were on different pages um systematically that's you know, that's also a little concerning as well, because it's like, OK, is it LeBanc not wanting to do as much back checking or is it more along the lines of his positioning? But I digress um, again. Good to see him back in the lineup, but you sparingly in that first period, like you had both said. Going into the second period, though, um, we did definitely have some action going on um, the Sharks were guilty of a really bad turn turnover in their own zone. Um, and Adam Ernie with his six on the season, he uh, is uh, assisted by Larkin and Hronik, but really just one of those brain farts that, that we have just consistently see this team make um, on that. And, and did, do, did either of you catch the defensive pairing that was out on the ice for that goal? I'm looking at the GIF right now. Um, Ferraro. Ferraro. Yeah, Ferraro Chicha. And yeah. Yeah, Ferraro just was, you know, right, uh, trying to trying to stop Larkin. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but then Ernie 
tipped it. So happy 400th point. Uh, Dylan Larkin. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it just seems like one of those historical goals. And um, I guess kind of makes sense because it was a historical night. It was the 100th meeting of the Detroit Red Wings and San Jose Sharks in um I, I don't think that that's count. Is that counting postseason as well? I don't. I was going to say, I can't no. imagine that it does. Yeah, I think no. a lot of series. Well, yeah. our first like iconic playoff series was versus the wings. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, there's something there. And I so feel like what? every time we've played them, it's gone to seven games in the playoffs, too. <laughs> with the exception of that one time they swept us. But pretty much every time it's like six or seven games. Yeah. And I would I would think then it was the regular season and the hundred meeting in the regular season which seems kind of low for all those years that they were in the western conference but <clears throat> i digress i guess because they were out of out of division still they still didn't get a lot of matchups but uh timo meyer would would come back and he'd uh, get the sharks on the board his 28th of the season with eric carlson and hurdle uh, getting the assists and this one was just one of those stick plays um where they got a shot on net they then kind of swarmed timo was there to make the the wrap around with the you know the garbage in front of the net and just really one of those effort goals that you love seeing. And when Timo's scoring those type of goals, you know he's rolling well. Dana, what did you see from the goal there from Timo? Yeah, well, I was really confused because, like, where did it go through? Because uh, Huso definitely, like, got his um, his uh, his skate and his pad, like, into that corner of the net. But Timo still found a way to... Think, you know, whatever little nook or cranny was there, he got it in. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, the the usual suspects. Um, of course, Carlson assists. Um, but yeah, happy to see that from Timo. Twenty eight for twenty eight. Twenty eight for twenty eight. He got it. Yeah, Mark, what did you see there from Timo's effort that just kind of he kind of willed that one? Yeah, I loved it. I, I mean, he. It was an amazing pass from Carlson to find him on the initial um, kind of cross ice pass. And um, I was actually kind of bummed Meyer didn't bank it in off the initial pass. I feel like the pass would have gotten more credit if he had scored on the initial part of the play. But then to just wrap it around, find that uh, little spot, like Dana was saying, it just perfect effort from Timo, which is what we pretty much see game in and game out. You know, the, there's no there's one person who's never guilty of not showing up. Yeah, for sure. And and this season, you know, he did have that that snake bitten first part, but he has definitely cleared the baffles and and gotten um, all the cobwebs out. He's in peak peak form right now. <laughs> Larry Johnson in the chat with the uh, with the the Timo going to New Jersey take. I mean, that that might very well be, especially because of Nico Heischer and those two have a lot of history together. It it would make sense for um, New Jersey to try and go after a player like Timo. Um, I, their, their general manager is a little bit of a question mark to me. I really don't know. It, it seems like he's been very conservative and not very um, active on the trade fronts. So I, I don't know, Mark, you're closer to the situation. What do you think of New Jersey and, and a Timo you know, meet up with, with Heischer. So I tweeted it out actually just at the start of the game because Tim Burke was at, is seen at the devil's game today, scouting it. 
Um, and there's also been rumors for some time linking the two teams. Um, I think I'll be kind of actually at this point heartbroken if Meyer gets moved. But based on what I'm like, what we keep hearing is that there's just no real talk about an extension. So it's really a matter of like when he gets moved at this point. I think a little bit more than if. Um, and if he is going to get moved, I think the Devils make a really good partner, at least in terms of return. They've got um, Holtz as a prospect who isn't really getting NHL minutes, but he's considered a top prospect. He's tearing up the AHL when he's playing down there. Um, he's another Swede, so he'd be in our big stable of Swedes. And um, also, they still have that first-round pick available. So if you're trying to make a move, the Sharks are obviously going to look for top prospects and picks. So I think that works out. But... I'm still kind of at a point where it's like this guy is just playing at such a high level that like you just can't get equal value no matter what you get in return for him. Like he's the way he's playing right now, he's playing at one of the highest levels we've ever seen among Sharks forwards. And he's such a unique type of player. Yeah, no, I think that that's perfectly you have it right there on the nail as far as, you know, the anxieties of the fan base and losing a losing a player that's beloved and you know jerk had said uh, you know on a couple of pucknologists ago that you know you're going to spend another 10 years looking for this player you know once again so I'm concerned that we haven't heard anything on the contract front um, that is a little concerning and and I think Shang has been um, really good at at fleshing out you know what's what's kind of going on and the fact that he's kind of quiet on the team up front also is a little concerning as well so yeah I mean again just just one of those one of those forwards that you're going to spend a long time looking for once again um, but getting back to the game Michael Rasmussen uh, would get the Red Wings back up on the Sharks um, that make that goal would make it 2-1 he'd get that unassisted and I mean, this one, it's, you, you, I'm just reviewing it right now, and I just, I don't know, I, I, I mean, it's a, it's a bad bounce, yes, but you also gotta wonder, where, where's the defense behind the net on that one, guys? I mean, Dana, what, what'd you see from this goal? Because this one, yeah, it's a bad bounce, but I also didn't like the Sharks' positioning either. Yeah, no, nobody was there. <laughs> um, am I rewatching the right one? Yeah. The G-check clearing attempt that went wrong. Yeah. It's like it's like you've got possession of the puck and you're yeah. you're you're not able to get that out or get that to to a it's just, just fundamentals. You know what I mean? And and it's just so disheartening, you know, for the Sharks to have played well um, and really gotten one of those good work ethic goals to then squander it with a goal like this. I mean, Mark, where, where, what, what's your thoughts on this? I The fact that it was unassisted to me shows, because the angle I saw of the goal um made it kind of tricky to see how that puck bounced out. I wasn't sure if maybe the Red Wing player beat the defenseman to the puck and then, like, angled their skate to try and kind of, like, kick it out. But based on the fact that it's unassisted, I'm assuming it actually came off the Sharks player, right? Or bounced off the boards a weird way. I couldn't even see. But the way it bounced out just showed an absolute breaking of coverage then in the middle of the ice. Like, Bonino looked like he was just kind of coasting. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you're not going to fault Reimer with a guy skating in from a point-blank shot like that and scoring. So... 
it's clearly like a defensive collapse. Um, but I, the way the puck bounced out is still the, the part that I just couldn't exactly see what it hit. Yeah, and and I think it was a bad clearing attempt. I think it's just mm-hmm. and and <laughs> it just makes you it just it just bewilders me when when you have possession of the puck and then you just completely give it up in your own end with with very, it was so nonchalant and so careless of a of a clearing attempt that that it just really bothers me. You know, as these are, these are the types of things that you're trying to get out of your system. Um, if you're a good team at the beginning of the year or hell, even in preseason. Um, but it just goes to show you that the the level of, of mediocre defense has become the norm. And um, again, doesn't not giving a damn enough as, as puck guy would say. Um, I digress. <laughs> Logan Couture though, uh, cap, the captain would come back and he'd get the sharks tied up with, uh, 1953 left. So six seconds left on the clock and he's able to, to jam it in. And again, another work ethic type goal, um, Eric Carlson with the assist and Magna. I mean, again, Magna to Carlson, Carlson to the net Couture continually banging up, banging away at it and the the captain you know leading the charge with with another one of those effort goals and you just love to see it I mean what's been working for him lately Mark that we hadn't seen at the beginning of the season um you're referring to Kachur right yeah to Logan yeah Yeah, I think this is the one thing I've noticed over the last few seasons he seems to go through these spurts you know where he I don't know if it's a confidence issue or just you know the classic athlete who goes through ups and downs, but he'll hit these moments where he's looking really good. He'll go on a streak where he'll get, you know, five goals in six games, bring his numbers up. Um, the last few seasons, I feel like he was on a pretty good pace early on, then hits that midseason lull. Um, but on that play in particular, great hand-eye coordination. I know the um, broadcast was mentioning that he played baseball growing up, but it's just you watch him, and he's literally just following the puck as, like, the second it's about to touch the ice, he just slaps away at it perfect um to bank it in off the defenseman and in so great play by him but also that shift in general was great by the sharks i think they tried like six or seven shot attempts just throwing the puck at the net finding open men they couldn't get a lot of them through and then finally that play kind of we got the lucky bounce off the defenseman and in yeah yeah dana i mean what did you see there from the captain that's just kind of giving you a little bit of hope he can try and steer this thing back towards some semblance of of uh good play yeah i feel like with cooch like the effort is always there um even even if he's snake bitten or he's going through one of his streaks um and yeah i appreciate that they didn't just be like oh yeah there's second and two left whatever just let them you know clear it or whatever but um you know they knew they had a chance and it just took one bounce and Huso was of course like way out of his net doing all kinds of splits and everything so um yeah so I mean I I think they did the right thing by sticking by it and um it just judging by his um Selly it looked like a pretty satisfying goal so um that was good to see that was definitely a positive note to enter intermission with yeah no I agree and going into that third period um you know the sharks would still continue to play i think um 
behind the eight ball at times. I mean, the, the shots kind of bear it out. It's 8-10 in favor of Detroit. I mean, James Reimer had to make some really good saves in that in that third period to preserve it. And again, lackadaisical play. Um, and when they would kind of put together a little bit of a rush, you know, they'd, they'd get it one and done it. And, you know, the, the Red Wings would be coming back the other way. So, again, just kind of re- regressing a little bit to- towards that first period. Um, it was just kind of a weird game to watch. I mean, especially since it's it's kind of early for us. Um, and, and so, again, kind of throws off your, your internal clock just a little bit. Um, but, I mean, I saw a Sharks team that, just wanted to get get that game done with you know what I mean like it it just I don't know it seemed like they were checked out did you did you see anything in that third period to suggest otherwise Dana no and I would like to say I was fine with the time I can get to bed at a reasonable hour so thank you sharks but yeah no the east coast road trips are never it um yeah, I don't know. They just didn't have it. it. It was interesting to me how, of course, the broadcast is saying like, oh, yeah, these are two evenly matched teams. They're in a similar spot. Like, no, they aren't. They might both be some degree of mediocre to bad. But the Red Wings are definitely on like the up and up. Like, you know, if they are younger players. They are learning. You know, they <laughs> maybe had they had hopes of making the playoffs this year. Maybe they won't. But you know, I, I think they're, you know, still moving towards something. And the Sharks is just, like, stale. So, you know, I guess if the broadcast can't keep pretending the Sharks are going to make the playoffs, they can at least, like, pretend the Sharks are just meh instead of, like, you know, a step above tanking or maybe even... Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. And, and I was just kind of mentioning, you know, it's like the Sharks are on the upward tra- or on the downward trajectory and the, the Red Wings are on the upward trajectory and they just happen to intersect. And that's what we saw this afternoon. I mean, uh, yes, two evenly matched teams, but the, the futures couldn't be any different or any farther from each other. And, you know, the Red Wings really started to embrace the rebuild after the, you know, after they, they, snap their playoff streak or whatever it was so you know i think the the red wings have had that coming to coming to jesus moment where they figured out okay yeah you know it's it's time to restock the cupboard and um you know we're gonna suck for a little bit but you know we're gonna have a new arena you know we're gonna have a new outlook we're gonna get some new players um and and here they are i mean mark i i'm surprised they didn't score in that third period to begin with, you know, Reimer kept them in it for sure. But this Red Wing team, I mean, they're they're going to be good. And, and I'm going to say in going to be short order. I would say maybe another year. Yeah, they've got players to build around. Um, potential franchise-type players. Um, Cider's a great growing defenseman. Like, future, I don't want to say pronger, but, like, that type of guy who's, like, mean, big, has offensive abilities, like, the guy you build around. And then, I see Norris um, is in his future. For sure. And then you've got Raymond, who's a super talented young kid um, who already can contribute. Um, Larkin as well, even though he's got a contract to work out. But 
Um, like you were saying, in that third period, I think they came out to play and the Sharks were kind of sleeping through the first 15 minutes of it. I think um, the one thing the broadcast did highlight, even though I fully agree with what Dana's saying, they're always trying <laughs> to like put lipstick on a or lipstick on a pig or whatever the phrase is. But they're basically, <laughs> <laughs> they, I mean, whatever. Yeah, they're constantly doing that. But the one thing they did point out is the shots were nine to do at one point, right? So in the final few minutes, the Sharks actually evened that out. But they were getting dominated the first 15 minutes. Like, I, they basically stayed in the locker room after that intermission, which is completely opposite of what you'd expect, right? You score that late goal going into their intermission. Usually a team uses that as fuel in the next period. And that's another sign of a difference between a good team and a bad team. Like, your captain scores a goal. Carlson's involved again. The leaders of your team are, like, trying to carry the team, but there's just nothing after the break. So... We were kind of lucky we even got to overtime. Yeah. I, I, or unlucky if you don't want to. I disagree. <laughs> I was like, if you're going to lose, please do it. Exactly. Yeah, right? Especially against another bottom us. feeder team. I yep. mean, they're going to get – I know no, no, Detroit's not bottom feeding. But I don't know. I just feel like the way we talk about these players on the Red Wings as opposed to the kind of big players on the Sharks, I feel like the Red Wings feel like they have something to prove, those individual guys and also as a team. And I feel like that just isn't as present for the Sharks because, you know, everybody's got their big contract except for Timo and, you know, things are certain, things are real hush-hush, but, you know, maybe – you know, he might be playing to try and attract teams to want to take him on. I don't know. Um, just speculation. But, yeah, I feel like um, that, um, that yeah, that, that motivation may not be there in the same way because the Sharks' bigger players all have their, you know, wonderful billion-year-long contracts. I know it's cliche, but, um, yeah, but I, I would hope that a goal from your captain going into intermission would – be good motivation, bring good energy to the locker room. But um, yeah, just a lack of energy in the third period. And like genuinely, I wish they had just lost it in the third period. Just just let in a little goal towards the end, call it a night. Because that's the energy they were bringing, you know? Yeah. You, and, you get what you give. Yeah. And, and going into the overtime period, you know, anything can happen in an overtime but the sharks just looked like they were scooting through mud. I mean, it 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 just it it looked bad. And then you know you had the the face off, and um, you kind of saw the again that scrambly type of play, and the the Red Wings just kind of sticking to it and sticking to their game plan. Um, you know, really showing tenacity, and they they won. You know, they won it, and I think. That's the way that it probably should have been in the third period, <laughs> um, you know, because I'm definitely on the um, on the tank train as well. Um, but again, just a just a, another lackluster finish from from a, a team that's shown nothing but lackluster uh, the whole season. And um, I mean, we can talk about Eric Carlson getting uh, 64 points um, through this game. Um, we can talk, uh, you know, a little bit about Timo Meyer, a little bit more about Timo and, and, you know, what his future is going to be. But, you know, right now it just, it's not a fun time to be a Sharks fan. That's for sure. Um, and I don't know if, if the, 
if the trade talk is is kind of starting to bother me a little bit too because it's almost like again you see the whole NHL kind of um, circling you know around a dead carcass it's the buzzards you know kind of trying to feed off the dead shark carcass but that's just kind of like the visualization i get it's just this this dead shark he's upside down and these vultures are trying to pick at its bones you know like i I don't know mark like walk me off the edge man i don't think i can (laughs) that's a good analogy oh my god (laughs) they're literally trying to find the useful meat (laughs) that's what it is from the franchise yeah yeah and that's like that's what i went into into this game just thinking like oh boy here we go again you know let's see what what today brings us and uh, i mean dana can you help (laughs) see i'm i'm working with this metaphor here i feel like you've got like a big chunk of meat and wait you know what this is (laughs) (laughs) carlson is too attached to the bone you know so there's meat there and everyone's pretending like someone is going to pull the meat off the bone. But no, they aren't. Um, every, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I guess people were clearly surprised that Carlson would be as good as he is this season. But even him being, you know, the clear Norris favorite is not, I still I don't think he's going to be traded. And in fact, I'm as much as I'm, I am going to be really sad if Timo goes like, at least the Timo talk might replace the Carlson trade talk because I, I don't think he's being traded. Um, and yeah, with Timo, that's like the only big, you know, other tradable piece. And it's, it's going to be sad. I want to see him succeed in some capacity. And I think if the sharks could make it work, um, then yeah, he's still, he's still, 20 26 he just turned 26 I think not just like a few months ago um so you know it's not even like he's like he probably still has depending on how long of a contract he ends up going with and word on the street is that a lot of guys are doing or going for shorter contracts because of course the salary cap will go up more in the coming years um but uh, you know he's not this guy like hurdle probably going into his last big contract um, I, you know, I think, uh, but this is probably going to be his biggest, uh, I guess, depending. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's where I went with the metaphor of the, what was it? The vultures. Yeah, certainly. And then there's nothing left. And there's just a bunch of like sinew and ligaments. Yeah. That represent all the other players. <laughs> Yeah, and and Kevin, you know, Kevin bringing it up, I mean, with all the complaining about the Sharks having no cap space, I don't see how retaining $5 million of Carlson helps this team. Um, He's the only thing keeping us relevant right now. Yep. Like. Watchable. Uh, That's it. it. Yeah. 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 I mean. Imagine this team without him and Meyer. Like, what are you even tuning in for? They'd yeah. have Bedard in a heartbeat. That's what they would be. Still need I mean, that lottery luck, though. I, mean, I know. Uh, you can't win. AJ yeah. bringing it up, too. Imagine how much better position the Sharks team would be if EK and Timo were having such great seasons. Yeah, like if Timo wasn't having a great season, I think it increases the chance of him staying a Shark, um, honestly. And I think, you know, EK, it's like, 
oh, this this would have been useful to me yesterday, you know, this is kind of the feeling I have from him. So I don't know. I, I just you're painted into a corner with with EK. I, I'm totally agreeing with you, Dana, on the fact that um you know, he's going to be a guy that you're not going to be able to offload. Um, Timo is the easier of the two assets to move. Um, but if you're asking me which player I'd want to have in a, you know, one versus the other, I'm, I'm going to take Timo. And, and again, when, when you start to see the team shed um, talent, I'm going to be continually reminded of the insane and ill-fated and ill-conceived contract that Eric Carlson got. The same can be said with Mark Edward Vlasic. And, um, you know, that in that, that can be said for Martin Jones, who's still going to be dead cap space. So, you know, this is a team that cannot retain any salary. I, 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 I don't, I just don't see how you can you can tell an owner you're going to spend eight million dollars to not have Brent Burns and not have Eric Carlson play on your team. Um. So again, I just I think Ek is I think Ek is stuck now. Timo, the qualifying offer does make it interesting, you know, with with how to re up him. But if the Sharks wanted to keep a young player. You know, I would have assumed they would have started contract talks by now. And to not hear anything, not to mention all of other Sharks media being very mum on that subject and allowing these rumors to, you know, to, to percolate as they were, I think that that means that there's there's some smoke to this. And, and I think that, um, again, it wouldn't be surprising to see him be moved. Now, I've, I've said on the show... It's got to be three first-round talents, um, and and that's what the ask is. But uh, but I'll tend it to you, Mark. I mean, what if you have to say goodbye to Timo? I mean, what would it take for from your perspective? What do you think it'll? What do you think it's going to take? And what do you think is optimistic? Um, I think what you just said actually, the three first-round talents is kind of where the focus, from my point of view, is like. Definitely a first round pick in this coming draft. That's for sure. And preferably one from a team that's like on the borderline of the playoffs. Um, so thinking more like a team that potentially could miss, but if they do get in, they're going to be one of the lower seeds. So in that like 16 to 19 range pick. Um, and then another prospect that either equals the talent of a first round pick or was formerly a first round pick and is still like progressing in the right direction. Um, and then maybe another like second round pick or another B level prospect. Um, but most likely whatever team is trading for him is going to want some sort of contract extension. Um, but the one thing that I will pose kind of as a question, but also like a thought is I'm wondering somewhat if the franchise waits until the draft. And the only reason I say that is simply because of the fact that I think you'd kind of want to see what happens with the draft lottery. Like if you're a team and you win the draft lottery and suddenly Bedard is coming to San Jose, I don't think you then want to ship out your top talents. I think you then want to kind of surround Bedard with some of those top talents. And Meyer is young enough where suddenly that eight-year deal makes a lot more sense. You know, you you look at our top six now, right? It's not the worst top six in the world. They actually are putting up decent numbers. Like, yeah, you get Isamon out of there. 
Um, but you look at the other five, you got Kachor, Bedard, I'm Bedard, that's wishful thinking, um, Barabanov, Kachor, Hurdle, Meyer. Um, like those guys are all talents, if not complementary talents. You suddenly throw in Bedard, who's most likely going to jump to the NHL and become immediately like a 30 plus goal scorer, and suddenly you have something to build around. So I am curious if the Sharks are waiting. The only thing I'm concerned about if you wait to the draft, if you then get lower return. So a lot of things, a lot of questions, and a lot of a very few answers. Um, but there's a lot of different angles, I think, to consider with moving Meyer, not to mention what teams can fit with their cap space until we know what the cap's going up to. Well, and this this coming in from from Quinn a little bit further back in the chat. The bank was solid. We had some jump in our game. I thought Rhymes played well. Not a lot of anticipation on our end. They had too much time. We haven't been good in OT ever. Um, but you know, way to way to put it on there, Coach. But uh, anyhow, I mean. I thought it was interesting because he was talking a little bit about LeBanc. I mean, Dana, do you do you see a guy like LeBanc maybe getting moved? The best time to trade LeBanc was like five years ago. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, but like he was the to me the poster boy of like, well, he may not be showing a lot now, but you bet he has potential. Um, and has it materialized? I don't know. I mean, he's still a reg, I guess, a regular NHLer when the coach doesn't bench him. Um, I don't know. I just feel like, <laughs> like, what's the point? We should have traded LeBanc. We could have traded LeBanc four years ago, three years ago. Like, I feel like there had to have been someone out there who wanted him, but um, I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like you would have to package something with him to get him to go anywhere. Yeah, and and speaking of packaging forwards, I mean, I I, I go back to Nick Benino and and um, Matty Nieto, both are you know going to be UFAs, and you thought maybe at the beginning of the season this those would be good defensive additions to to some teams, but. I mean, I, I, I don't know if Nick Benino's even a fourth liner right now. I mean, on a good team, you know, he has just – he's regressed so hard this year. I mean, yes, he's never been the fleetest of foot skating, but this season almost reminds me – it's like Michael Hanzus-esque. You know what I mean? Like, it's it seems like he's just – I he's still got the hands, but the wheels are just not there. I mean, Mark, are you seeing the same, or, or am I just, like, talking out of my head on this one? Yeah, he's definitely on the downswing of his career, and I think the only thing that really could possibly um, attract teams to trading for someone like him is just the veteran experience. I mean, the guy's won a cup. He's done well in the playoffs, so maybe we can try and trick a team into making that move. Um, low cap hit, so teams can easily fit him in when it comes to that deadline prorated amount, so... If you can get a mid-round pick for him, sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's let's do some some predictions time, uh, and and let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this trade deadline because I know we've been talking about you know what pieces the Sharks have or what what have you. So at the end of the day, Mark, what do you think will go down for the Sharks? Do you think they just stand pat, just let everything kind of chill until? Um, you know, until the draft lottery comes or, or do you think that there will be moves? What, what, what's your crystal ball on this one? 
So I'm going to say this year is probably the hardest it's been in a while because we don't really know what Greer's doing at the moment since he's been pretty quiet. Um, but if I'm guessing today, based on what seems logical, I think they'll move exactly Nieto and Benino. Um, I don't really know if there's going to be much of a market for Reimer anymore. So I don't even know if he's going to move. And then I don't. I agree with Dana. I don't think Carlson's going anywhere. Um, and lastly, on Meyer... It's tough. I think I think he's going to get moved. It's just a matter of whether it's the deadline or the draft. But I'm going to bank on the fact that he's getting moved at this point. Okay. All right, Dana, same same question I posed to you. Um Yeah, I I agree about like Reimer unfortunately. Like I think it's, you know, it's not his fault, but um he's had a, a a bit of a more downward year than last year where he was this unsung hero who kept us in games, you know, left and right. I, he still does that sometimes, but, um, uh, and then yeah, Carlson's not being moved. Um, I, I think someone will throw us a seventh, you know, conditional seventh or whatever for, for um, Bonino. And, you know, I'm going to disagree with Mark and I think they, that Timo stays somehow. And I think it's, because like we just haven't seen a lot of trades this season and it's because the cap is going up I guess one million I don't know if that was like official or not um I guess that's the number that Bettman threw out there but didn't make any promises correct me if I'm wrong which is really weird um to kind of string along GMs like they don't even know how much money they're gonna have this summer that's a side conversation um, but yeah, we just, I, I, I honestly think it's, <laughs> it's going to be a way more boring trade le- deadline than, than people would hope. Like, I love a spicy trade deadline. Um, but I just think just like nobody has the room for anybody. So I kind of feel bad for the guys who are, you know, out there trying to, uh, make their money and get paid, um, you know, what they absolutely deserve. Um, but they're in a spot where they're like, I can take more money for a year or two, maybe, you know, or I can try and get that stability, but have it be less, but like, you know, and the whole thing with the qualifying offer, which doesn't nobody sign their qualifying offers. Like this would be the only year I could think of where anybody would actually sign a one year qualifying offer just for the dollar amount. Right. But I feel like that usually doesn't happen because people want term. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I tend to echo both of you. Um, I think you you both made some really good points on on what we're gonna see movement wise. I think you'll see the periphery moved, um, like like a Benino and like a Nieto. Um. You know, I I I go I flip back and forth on Eric Carlson on whether or not he has played enough to where some Yahoo general manager um, and looking to our friends up north would figure out some way to reunite Carlson with a Canadian team. I just, I don't know. There's just something, something about that that I think would be poetic, but who knows? I mean, like you had, like you had both said that there's just not a lot of room um, I think not a lot of visibility, and um, a- again, I think it doesn't it doesn't do well for a good trade deadline. So 
we'll see. Um, we'll definitely yeah. see. Any, sorry to interrupt. Any any Timo trade, we're going to lose. Yeah. Like, that's just how I feel. And, um, and that's a guy you can rebuild around. So if I were the Sharks, I would try my darndest. I really would. Well, Dana, um, I'm going to uh, going to ask how many posts do we have tonight? Ugh, zero. I'm so sorry, guys. <sighs> I was kind of on the go during the first part of the game, um, so uh, <laughs> I got nothing for today. It was just a warm up. You know, I've been gone a little bit, so uh, <laughs> don't worry. This will be. Uh, I know this is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, don't worry. They'll be back. <laughs> a a o one two three four five yeah i really wish we could somehow f- fleece uh for for pet elias Pettersson or something like that but i just i, I that <laughs> vancouver's i mean if you think we're bad i mean vancouver is a complete dumpster fire um and uh, yeah they I also wouldn't... have an owner who lets the like <laughs> like just makes the GM do whatever he wants. So that doesn't even make sense. So seriously, like Vancouver, Ottawa, those are the teams that just make baffling moves. And usually it's just because the owner said to, I guess not as much now with Ottawa, but certainly Vancouver. So if anyone is going to like give us way too much for, for some random obscure player, they just really want, it'll be Vancouver. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're going to start to wrap this up. So in case you missed us or you want to check us out again, check us out on the YouTube Rewind or, of course, your podcatcher of choice. We're on Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeart, Audacity, and you can check us out on TealTownUSA.com where we post both the podcast and the vodcast forms. So, Miss Dana May, I'd like to give you the floor for your final thoughts and where the people can find you. Um, my final thoughts are this is the worst possible outcome of the game because we were in OT for how many seconds? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and another loser point fell into our lap, but um, that's okay because I had a great time chatting with you gentlemen and everybody in the chat. And I would also like to make it known that tomorrow is my cat Margie's birthday. So um, as a birthday present, uh, please follow her on Instagram. It's Margie underscore the queen. Um, and there will be updates posted. So if you need a little pick me up while you're not watching the sharks uh, lose 30 seconds into overtime, you can see a cute cat have a birthday party. Ooh, I, I I think I think I'll I'll put that on the uh, must view uh, Instagrams. <laughs> uh, Mark, your final thoughts on where the people can find you. Um, I think I'll have to add that that Instagram as well. Being that ninety percent of my Instagram is either animals or sharks related media. But um, final thoughts pretty much echoing the sentiments throughout this um it's tough times it's not a lot of fun to watch these games i find myself like digging for for material um but as always it was fun chatting with you guys and you guys can always find me on twitter at mark e mark sjs this uh this time in in sharks uh, franchise period is uh really what separates the uh the girls and boys from the men and women, that's for sure, because uh, it is not 
easy, ladies and gentlemen, to watch these games. But we do it uh, for you. We come to you because we enjoy speaking about our favorite team and our favorite topic. And so uh, if we didn't have you guys and gals out there on the interwebs, we'd still do it. But it would be, I think, even more of a grind than it is now. (laughs) Um, And as far as where you can find me, you can use my first name. That's E-R-I-K and my last name, L-A-N-D-I, across all of the social media garbage. So for everybody at Teal Town, keep it real. Keep it teal. Keep it real teal. And we'll see you after the next game. Thanks, everybody.